Stay fly. Stay fly. Stay fly. As black Americans need to focus on, I believe, is sponsors. If it ain't about empowerment, I laugh and joke and kiki with it, but I ain't really rocking with it. Oftentimes, we don't feel empowered in our positions. Right. And oftentimes, we feel like we have to be management in order to influence change. And I'm going to tell you this. That's not necessarily the case. What are the Mongolian women like, bro? You're listening to the Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. Hey, this is Ernie Thomas here on the Bold School Podcast. You're listening to Psycho Varner's Fly Guy Podcast. Support, like, subscribe, and share. He's saying some good things. Share it. Don't keep it to yourself. All right, I'm feeling good. I wish I could get you this feeling. I wish I could get you this feeling like the song says. It's now time for another great episode of Get On Code, the Fly Guy Show. Get On Code, where the code is empowerment. The code is empowerment. Today we deal, and we always deal with health, wealth, and knowledge itself. And so today we get a chance to really deal with knowledge itself and emotional and work health with the good brother here. He's been on the platform. You know him. He's a platformer. It's Cousin Sam. What's up, Cousin Sam? What's up? Hello, everyone. All right. And look, new to the platform, first time on, my good brother Phil. What's good, team? It's good, brother. It's uh, it's good to be here. Uh, happy to be here and uh, looking forward to having a, a great conversation. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, we're talking about Sam's beautiful book. And uh, let me let me throw that book up there so people know exactly what I'm talking about. He has a book called Developing the Workforce of You, a guide to harmonious work life and so you you got to give us give us the goods man what do you mean by a guide to harmonious living harmonious work life and so (laughs) it's so goofy stop messing with me you know I try to be serious (laughs) okay so what I mean by a guide to a harmonious work life and soul is we get up, we either, some people still go into work or we log in and we're just working and we're going and we're doing and we're not happy. And so my book is designed to help you identify things that you can do to make your work life better. And the book really takes an interest, makes you take an introspective look at yourself. Because oftentimes it's so easy to say that someone else is the problem, or this person did that to me, or they're not giving me opportunities. And sometimes we're the problem, or rather we're the issue, or there are things that we're doing to block the things that we desire. So my book is designed to help you clear the lens in which you view your working experience and help you to see things for what they are. All right, that's that's nice and all, man. But here we go. Here we go. Here we go. That's nice and all, but give up the goods, man. What led you to a point where you had to write a textbook on how to act right in the workspace? You know, was it all the City Girl videos? You know, you know what was it, man? Stop saying that. It's not about people acting wrong or acting right per se. It's about we know what to do more or less to not get fired. So we know if we get in maybe 10 minutes late, leave 10 minutes early, take a little extra lunch break here and there, even if you're working virtually, we know what to do. But rarely do we think about what can I do to maximize my working opportunity? What can I do to get the most out of this experience? When we think about our jobs, all we think about is our paycheck. And of course, because you need it to take care of your family, you know, and most of us sometimes we're taking care of not just our husband or wife and kids, whoever, 
sometimes we're taking care of our parents and other people. And so my book is designed to help you really take a look at your work experience and to help you see the opportunities that you might be missing. Yeah, cousin Sam, I you know I've read the book a, a few days ago, and you know I think all of that really resonates with me as someone who is finishing up grad school, is getting ready to go into the uh, you know a new work experience. I guess my kind of question that I have for you is, how do you see the future of work changing? post-COVID. Um, I know, you know, we have the Zoom thing, we have, you know, people are like missing the water cooler chat, but how do you see your book kind of changing after COVID? I see basically even after COVID, I believe that we'll do a 50-50, you know, because some people talk to me about my book and they're like saying, but people are working from home and I'm like, not everyone is. Some people are starting to kind of slowly go back into the office. Some offices have a hybrid plan where only certain people are in on certain days. And so I believe that we will see that now and more into the future, even with the vaccine. So we still, regardless of whether you're working virtually or you're in some sort of hybrid thing where you're interacting with certain people, we still have to interact with people. So people like, well, I'm virtual, I'm home. And I'm like, okay, yes, you're home, but you're still connecting through meetings. You're connecting through emails, through chats, through all sorts of mediums, even phone calls. You still are working, even though you're at home, you still have to communicate with people. And so it's important to still remember that. A lot of times we like, well, I'm home. Yes, you're working from home. You still have to connect with people. You still need to communicate. You still need to collaborate. So the only thing that has technically changed to a certain degree is your location. And we can't forget that some people have been virtual even before COVID. Okay, okay, okay. I like all the technical, intellectual, you know. Here we go. That's what I've been waiting for. (laughs) That's what I've been waiting for. That's what I've been waiting for. One of the things that I think is interesting when I look in the concept of empowerment, you know, when we deal on this show with health, wealth, knowledge, itself, focus solely on empowerment. How can this book make sure that we're empowered? We don't need another book just to read. We don't need another book just to, you know, get a better job, maybe. We need empowerment in our community. You know, we need to make sure that we're the people who are making the mover and shaker moves. We need to make sure that we are the people that are employing our children. We need to make sure that we are the people that are influencing the policy that will influence our nation. And those who truly influence policy are the business owners and the mechanisms and the industry. That needs to be us. How can this lead to empowerment? Because for me, you know, you know me, man. If it ain't about empowerment, I laugh and joke and kiki with it, but I ain't really rocking with it. So I want to rock with you. How does this lead to empowerment? (laughs) You might and you might not. One of the things about my book and one of the things I was very specific about was if you notice, because you know you do this, it's not a big book. Look at it. It's not big. It's not thick. You can get through it in literally a day. But that's not the point. At the end of basically every section, there is a reflection. We have to begin to change the way we look at things. Because I'm glad that you mentioned empowerment. Oftentimes, we don't feel empowered in our positions. And oftentimes, we feel like we have to be management in order to influence change. And I'm going to tell you this. That's not necessarily the case. You know, we hear stories about kings and oftentimes, or even if you look at our current political system, we know that sometimes some leaders are just figureheads. And sometimes it's advisors and other people who are calling the shots. I'll tell a brief little story about my job. There was this 
old job, this lady I worked with, I won't say anything bad about her. I'll just say some people, you're amazed that they had their jobs. <laughs> what she did that a lot of us don't do. She made sure that she had a very positive working relationship with senior management to the point that her thoughts and ideas always got implemented. Her job was solidified and she got all kind of perks. And all she did was prioritize those relationships. Oftentimes, we have to think outside of the box. Sometimes we think we have no power when we do. We just may have the power to influence someone who has the ability to make change. And so being an advocate is very important and understanding about empowerment. Sometimes you may not hold the key, but if you can influence the person who holds the key, you're just as powerful. And I think that with empowerment, it's important for us to realize that we have power regardless of the title or position that we have within an organization. Okay. All right. I'm rocking with it. I'm rocking with it. Hey, the queen, Lexi the Penis Smith, uh, Lexi the Penis Williams. I don't know where I got Smith from. Uh, what inspired you to write your book? So is it personal? So look, did you get fired a whole bunch of times and you realize <laughs> I knew it. See, I'm trying to keep it, and you're going to make me bust over and laugh the entire time. No, no, I didn't. But it is a culmination of my personal work experiences and listening to others. One thing I can say that I do very well is I honestly enjoy listening to people and their stories. And taking my work experiences, because I started working at the age of 14. And I know people say whatever they say about Marion Barry, but he did the DC Summer Works program. And that really gave me personally a leg up. So I thank him for that. So that gave me an opportunity to learn about dress code. I mean, and what they did was the youth, and they took us and we were, got to work in government offices, Black-owned businesses. So you learned about professionalism. You learned about how to send emails. And, you know, they gave us menial jobs, but they still taught us things. And, you know, as I don't care what people say about Black people, we will help each other out. And a lot of them were very helpful. I learned about money management. I'm going to tell you this real quick. So it was 14. It was a photography studio. It was a bunch of us. And it was one of the things I realized about money. So we get our first little paycheck. It was enough money to just get a pair of Jordans at the time. And it was a big group of us. It was about 20 of us. So it was, a you know, about one-to-one male-female ratio. All the dudes went out and brought the new Jordans and stuff. And they were broke. They had no money. And you see these dudes trying to talk to these girls, trying to get money out of them. Now, I had my money, so I was good, but I'm still looking at all of this and I'm realizing how important it is to manage your money where I see these dudes over here. You done spent everything. You spent your entire check. You got nothing for the whole week. And so now you go over here to the women trying to get them to take care of you. So those kind of things stuck in my head. There were... It was so long ago. God, I wish I was a little bit younger. So I don't remember everything, but I learned so many things and I'm really thankful for that program. And I wish that more places had those opportunities. And it was over the summer. It was six weeks, but it was still such a powerful and impactful program. And I really learned a lot. Hey, have you, uh, hey, Phil, you can answer this as well. Have either one of you read the book Power Knowledge? Power knowledge. No, I haven't read it. Okay, okay, okay. Now, I would say that for everyone who's in the listening area, check out the book Power Nomics. Please pick up Dr. Claude Anderson's book Power Nomics. It's really like a, uh, it's a support system. 
it's a support system. You know, there's a couple of things that I think that all melanated people or people of African descent, indigenous people, whatever term you want to use, Moors, people, you know, black people, so-called black, whatever term you want to use. I would say there's a movie by Jason Black called 7 a.m. Check out 7 a.m. There's a movie, it's a DVD by... Um, can't think of the guy's name, but it's called Black Friday by Rick Mathis. Look for Black Friday by Rick Mathis. See, those two books, uh, these two DVDs, rather, um, Black Friday shows us that we spend ourselves into impoverished positions. We spend ourselves in impoverished, and it might have been them Jordans like you were talking about earlier. It might be them girls, you know, the city girls say, if you were rich in, I'm going to work you till you ain't one. <laughs> Yo, salute the city girls. I love them. I would never mess with them, but I love them. Um, but, I, you know, we spend ourselves into impoverished situations. So Black Friday by Rick Mathis and the remix both show how we've developed some really devastating spending habits because we're trying to keep up with the Joneses. All right. Be white. Right. And, and the other one is 7 a.m. And, and Dr. Claude Anderson, who wrote the book Powernomics, is in 7 a.m., which demonstrates that the power is in owning, controlling the businesses. And I love your book because you really give the precursor, you know, because before we can really truly run profitable profitable industries that will mass employ our people and change some of the devastation that America has heaped upon us. We need that experience in corporate America that's going to provide us with that training ground that you spoke of. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that's important is when it comes to corporate America, there are a lot of things we can learn. Because I want to give an example. So there's a YouTuber I follow, and he went to dinner with a friend of his. And they said, well, we want to, you know, patronize the Black-owned establishment. So when they walk in, the girl was like, mm. well, they waited 15 minutes before anyone saw him. Can I help you? That's what they got. Then she finally sat them down, and it took another 45 minutes for them to get the food. Now the food was bomb, the food was banging. He enjoyed the food, but his friend was like, I'm never going back there. I wasn't met with professionalism. The food was good, but it took forever. And what we have to realize, if we want to talk about economic empowerment and building business, some people equate building business to acting white, and that's just not the case. You really have to think about how do you want to be treated? When you go to somebody's house, you don't want somebody to go, oh, you here. You want someone to say, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you. Please come in. Please sit down. If it's going to take longer than expected, even if we don't like it, if someone says, hey, we're running it, you know, a little behind, it's going to be out shortly. I'm sorry about it. Maybe we can give you a little discount or we give you a free drink or something like that. If we go with the attitude, it's mine. I can do what I want because we do that. We do that. We do that in the office and we do that outside of that. It's mine. I can do what I want. And that's why we're stuck in the positions that we are in, because we shoot our own selves in the foot. Whatever you have a business, I don't care what it is. You think about when you go to someplace, how do you want to be treated? And we all know that things happen. And black people overall, we are understanding. We may be a little frustrated and agitated. We may say, well, it took a long time, but they were real nice to us. They gave us a discount. They gave us extra food. They tried to make up for it. Even if our experience wasn't stellar and we know someone tried to do their best to correct it, we're forgiven. So when it comes to business and empowerment, we have to go with the code that we got to treat people, our customers, with the utmost respect. And let me drop this down real quick. When it comes to business, if you notice now, companies don't want you to just buy their product. What they want you to do is be a lifelong customer. They want you to be a stream of income. So I'll give you an example. 
Doritos, they did a perfect commercial. All they did was show a triangle. They didn't even show their logo, but you knew what it was. They want you to always buy their chips. They always want you to buy stuff. I don't want you to buy stuff once. I want you to buy from me forever. I want you to be a course, I mean, a stream of income. So if we are going to talk about empowerment, then we're going to have to understand the basics of business. We're going to have to understand basic accounting. We're going to have to understand marketing. It can't be doing stuff just for likes or I want people to like me. I want people to follow me. No, it's about building businesses and on another level. And I don't even know how, but this has just been in my mind for a long time. Families need to learn how to create a business. That's a family business. We need to be able to work economics on a level that as a family, we're making money. Now, you can't work with all your family members. Some of them going to make you want to high-five you in the face with a brick. You're going you to feel the earth. They're going to get on your nerves. And sometimes people have different visions and things that they want. But if families could come together and create a business or what they could do is say, we'll create something and then we all do our things under this umbrella. We work it collectively. We make it work collectively. We do these things, whatever it might be. And guess what? That is how we can pass on generational wealth. Because the thing about entrepreneurs is those that, in my opinion, this part is just my opinion. I feel that those who succeed sometimes versus those who don't are because either they have a family of entrepreneurs or they have somebody around them. Because most of the time, what we see is what we can, what we believe. So now when you see Kamala Harris being the new VP, a lot of women are like, it's possible. When Barack Obama became, because they were able to see it, then their mind goes, it's possible. So we have to start being that example of being business owners, writing books, showing the things and talents that we have. That's how we empower because, oh, I'm going to say one more thing. I don't want to talk too much. You know, I love it. I love it. This one lady, she posted in this group chat, I'm in, I think, professional development and personal finance on Facebook. And she was talking about how do I pass on generational wealth? And everybody said insurance, investments, you need to get a house, your stock market. They were given all of these things and they gave wonderful answers. But I'm going to give you the answer that no one tells. I posted and said this. I don't care what you leave your kids. If you don't give them financial education, they will spend it. If you don't teach a child how to value a home, all they're going to do is sell it when you're gone. If you don't teach them the value of stocks and dividends and stock appreciation, all they're going to do is sell it because all they're going to have is a cash mentality. Before you can create generational wealth, you have to create generational knowledge. And if you don't do that, it's a wrap. You have to teach them. And for my nieces and nephews, there's these flashcards, these financial flashcards. I wish because I wish I was about to order them. I'm trying to start with them now. Five, three. Hell with the baby. I want her first word to be asset. Then the sex one, liabilities. I want her to be able to say, understand what a profit and loss statement is. So just in case she ever wants to start her own business, she already has the tools necessary. Our education system does not educate. It indoctrinates. It is up to us to educate. So we have to teach them not just about getting a good government job. And I know where that comes from, because as black people, we haven't always had opportunities. So getting you a good government job at that time, maybe a generation or two ago, was the best option for us. That's no longer the case. We have access to technology that has brought down a lot of barriers. We have to educate our kids about how to manage credit card debt, how to leverage debt. That's important, too. Building assets. What do they mean? The difference between 
a stock, a bond, a mutual fund, a certificate of deposit. We need to even teach them about stocks and even about options. And options in day trading is tricky. But at least if we give them some general knowledge, and if it's something they want to learn, it wouldn't be the first time they're hearing about it. See, the school system indoctrinates, but we are the children's life teachers. They learn from us. They learn from how we talk, how we walk, how we act, everything. That's why kids, you know, old folks, they tell you, stop mocking me. Don't tell that child to stop mocking you. That's how they learn. So if we're not speaking about it, if we're not talking about it, then who's teaching them? The school system isn't there to raise our kids. That's our job. It's our job. And we need to create that community. We need to build wealth. We need to do those things. And we got to start with education. Education is power. And without it, that is why so many of us, there's a 2017 statistic that says that the average American saves less than $500. And that hit me because it didn't say the average African-American, Asian, whatever. It said the average American has less than $500. Why? Because we don't value money. We have a consumer mentality. I see it. I want it. What we don't have is the mentality that says, I have a dollar. How do I make it too? Because I tell people all the time when I'm giving advice about budgeting and personal finance, I'm like, look, I'm never going to say don't spend because you need to enjoy life. I love to travel and I want to, again, I want to see more of the world. Go ahead and buy the things you want. But if you don't have any of your money working for you, I don't care if you use Cash App to buy $50 of a stock and your dividend is 25 cents. That's 25 cents that you didn't work for. You didn't have to exchange time for money. You earned it just by ownership. And I don't like the term ownership because of this country. However, ownership is powerful. And when we own stocks and we own bonds, because that's what my aunt did with my cousins. So when they went to college and they needed some extra money, those bonds were set aside. They were the old ones. I want like some of those. They were the cool ones. You know, they don't like to print them no more, but you can still buy bonds. And so she had something. So when they needed money for books, you just cash your bonds. That didn't have to tap the paycheck. The money was there. So what we have to do is learn how to build wealth and financial empowerment. And that's why my thing is Sam's Financial Corner, because I really like to talk about money. I'm not as bad as my cousin tries to make his family. They try to always set you up and make you be bad all the time. But what really inspired the book was I'm working at this job. What do I want out of this opportunity? Because it goes beyond just earning a paycheck. You get health insurance, retirement. But am I really maximizing the opportunity? Am I making sure I'm connecting with people who could help me in my career? If this is the position that you want, that you have forever, then that's fine. I'm going to tell you this, and you don't really need my book because you have exactly what you want. But if you're looking to move up and learning how to create networks, because you have to network in the office. You do. You have to create that them connections. And people are like, well, I'm virtual. You can still create connections. You can still ask someone to be a mentor. I'm going to tell you this trick, too. People got an ego. People, we all do. And people love what? When you ask them for their advice. You say, I, I, what do you think I should do about this? If you notice, people don't tell you to get out their face. They actually start opening up. And so I learned early on in my career, if I just ask questions, I'm going to get knowledge that I asked for and they're going to start sharing their experiences. And I had a lot of people do that. They just begin to open up. Because I would just sit there and I would just listen. I wouldn't interrupt them. If they traveled off somewhere, I let them travel as far as they needed to go. Because guess what? 
I walked away with the knowledge that I needed. And then I want to say this last thing. When it comes to the office, I know that we're virtual, but you have to remember your name comes up in conversations. Oh, this is a good one. So my cousin Kenny used to, I can't say where he worked because it was bad. Well, I mean, not bad, but I can't say it. But there was this one person that they used to work with and they called her that B Barbara something. That's how bad it was. Everyone called her that because she was just that nasty. That was her reputation. Now, she didn't care. But my point is, your name is going to come up in rooms that you never even thought of. So you want to make sure that when everyone has something positive and great to say about you, that it's going to be even in rooms and even with people that you may never meet. You want people to be an advocate for you. You don't want people to call you that B, that MF, that whatever it is. You want people to always speak highly of you. And a place that I worked when I realized that was happening is because at one point I'm getting called on to create presentations and I'm sitting in managers meetings. I ain't no manager. Why am I here? But at one point I realized that my name kept coming up in a good way. And that's what I want people to realize. You want people to speak positively about you. Now, as black people, I know people like, I'm not going to kiss up to nobody. I'm not doing what I'm not being a brown noser. It's not about that. It's about setting yourself up to maximize every opportunity that you have in life. And the reason I love my book is because I don't work at every job. So I can't tell you specifically every single opportunity that you have at your job. But what I can do to guide you to say, oh, I didn't even see that door. Yeah. And it's been in front of you the entire time. So my book is basically like glass cleaner. Spray it. And then you begin to see. And that's what you want for people. I think, honestly, brother, like all those words resonate with me. And I think the thing that I really want to talk about with our viewers is office politics Everyone knows, you know, they say, get a mentor. They say, get a mentor, right? This is what I learned when I was at business school. I learned this, that we have mentors and then we have sponsors. And I think as black people, everyone says, you need a mentor. We need a mentor. Anyone can be your mentor. Anyone can say, hey, this is my person, whatever, whatever. But what we as black Americans need to focus on, I believe, is sponsors, A sponsor is someone that will advocate for you when you are not in the room, right? A mentor can help you, they can guide you, but a a sponsor will help drive your path. I think that's something that as black Americans in the workplace, something that we have to like reiterate is that mentorship versus sponsorship, there is a clear delineation and there is a clear difference of what one will do for you versus the other. Right. Wow. Wow. So does your book have any uh, guidance on getting a sponsor? Um, so it doesn't really talk about getting a sponsor, but there is some stuff that's coming in the works that I am excited about. So I can't talk about it too much just yet. All right. All right. All right. Good, 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 good. Let's go back to empowerment, man. You tapped on a couple of things that I thought were pretty intriguing. One of which dealt with how a person was looked at in the workspace. So if they called that that person that B word, whatever her name was, how could she turn that around? Could she read your book and get that turned around? Because a lot of us have put ourselves in situations where you know we're not necessarily valued as co-workers you know we've done some stuff we may have responded to some situations in a uh, not beneficial manner you know how it's happened you know I, I, I know it's been in my background you know I, I, I kind of laugh I tell my children that there was a situation I got myself into that resulted me in getting fired from my full time job and my part time job on the same day <laughs> and <laughs> I look back at it and it, it, it was me. 
it was the way I responded to things. So I can't go back in time and fix that. And besides, they don't pay well anyway. I'm good. Uh, but can somebody read your book and change the way they're being perceived in their workspace? Well, that's what it's designed to do. It's designed to help you take a look at yourself. And it's not a judgment because some people think introspection is self-judgment. And it's not. Introspection is about being able to see yourself holistically, but also be able to understand how others perceive you. You can definitely change it. Here's one thing you can do, especially if you have a personality like mine. I'm tough. I say what I mean. I mean what I say. But you can also let people know, well, yeah, I may be a little tough, rough around the edges maybe, but I care and I want to do the best job and I want to support people. See, you control your narrative. The worst thing we can do as people is to allow other people to control our narratives. Once you begin to control your narrative and understand the power of your words and your voice, then you have the ability to change people's perception of you. Now, everyone may not still like you, but once you begin to start, you can't admit faults. You can say you've been wrong, but also people are looking at your patterns of behavior. And once you begin to shift that pattern of behavior from being the the office gossip or being the person who always has an attitude to someone who listens, to someone who is kind, to someone who is compassionate, people begin to look at you differently. You have the power to change your narrative. A lot of times we don't understand that. Wow, that's powerful. You have the power to change your narrative. And they can do that when they pick up the book by Samuel Varner, Developing the Workforce of You. Developing the Workforce of You. And we have the author with us today, Sam Varner, Samuel J. Varner. I know what the J stands for, I'm not going to say. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, it's fine. You know, uh, your parents were old and Southern, so you know, most people don't know, but I got two middle names. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Hey, um, in addition to your book, I want to recognize this book, Heaven Bound, The Heaven Bound Train. And so tell us about this author. Just, just who is this author to you, bro? Well, you know who this author, this is, is my mother. And she has really been my biggest inspiration. I don't know if she want me to say how old she is, but I love that she became an author. And this is her second book in her seventies. My mother hit retirement and she was like, I've just started to live. So when she was doing her first book, um, The Mind of a Grasshopper, she was like, I want to do it. You know, this is something we were just talking one day and I said, I can help you with that. And so we sat, we talked through the process and, you know, I went through uh, finding a, a publisher for her website, doing all of this stuff, setting up social media for her, everything. And when I presented and put it to her in the rough draft format, it was it was one of the first times I saw her cry. And you know, I was like, oh my God, I broke my mother. I broke her. But they were happy tears. And so this book that I've done, it's been something I've been really working on for a long time, but she really inspired me to really move forward. And I think it's such a beautiful thing when you don't let your age stop you from your dreams. Absolutely. And she is my biggest. Speaking of dreams, Brianna and Amber help each other achieve their dreams. So this is from our cousin, our other cousin, Sabrina. Uh, so we have writers in the family. I mean, hey, my mom's put out four books. Your mom has two books. You just put out your other book. And salute to Sabrina. She has her book. And uh, her husband's a bruh as well. So Phil, her, her husband wears that that old gold and that beautiful royal purple as well. Yes, so sir. we want to salute, salute Sabrina Depina Graham. And also, 
if you are into Christian attire, then you need to go to Narrow Path Clothing. Narrow Path Clothing. They have great Christian attire, and our cousin does this as well. So today I get a chance to highlight some of our uh, family businesses. See, if you had told me about this, because I got two of them t-shirts, they're comfortable. They're comfortable, because I would have worn I really like this stuff, and I mean, again, I ordered it. It came within a couple of days. The packaging was nice. The material was, it was good. So I really, you know, I'm really proud of my cousin, you know, because it's hard being an entrepreneur out here and it's hard getting that love and that that support. People just see sometimes a finished product, but don't know what it takes to really build something from start to finish. So I really salute him for this. All right. I also want to highlight Ivy Dog House, Ivy Dog House. Their clothing, and I'm wearing some of it right now, as you can see. Ivy Doghouse, they have great attire for members of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated, like Phil and I. All right. Uh, that's the owner right there, my brother Jamel. And so uh, if you're a team, if you're part of the team, then go to IvyDoghouse.com. You can actually find them on Instagram. You can order directly from Instagram. I like their, I, like, I love the attire. So this is the first one. That I've purchased and I have a lot more coming. He also has stuff for our good sisters of Zeta Phi Beta. Um, Zetas are important to me uh, because one of the founders of Zeta Phi Beta helped raise me. But if you like what you're saying, Ivy Doghouse, Ivy Doghouse, you can find that on Instagram. And lastly, I want to say, hey, check out my Instagram. Follow me on Instagram. Follow our YouTube channel, Our Black Improvement. Follow Our Black Improvement. Oh, I do have one last ad I need to run, and I'll run it at the end. So, uh, Brother Phil, do you have a question? I do, I do, Cousin Sam. Like once again, like all these, you know, all these words are just like I love it. I love it, and I love it in my heart. And we're talking a lot about how do you change your personal narrative? How do you change who you are? at the office. And what I really want to talk about is branding. And I think for our people and for our culture, it's so important to talk about our personal brand. So the question I have for you is, let's say someone is first generation or someone wants to be the very kind of first link in the chain and start that generational wealth or start that business. What recommendations can you give to our listeners to say, hey, this is how you change the personal narrative or the personal brand for your family? One of the things I would say is, and and I hate to sound like I'm promoting myself, but I have my YouTube channel, Sam's Financial Corner. So we talk about, you know, I talk about personal finance. I bring up retirement, wills, all of those things. I'm really an advocate for watching financial news. And I know for even because I will watching financial news. I'll say this, even for us, it still can feel like they're speaking a foreign language. But the only thing about it is what people need to learn is that jargon is very, very important. And we need to learn and just taking 10 to 15 minutes a day watching the news, of course, my channel, picking up books about personal finance, talking to even people in your family. Because what we need to do is start creating these circles of people who are knowledgeable, who can help us. And oftentimes we don't do that. We think about our circles. We want to go here. We want to go there. We want to do everything. Why are you showing that one? Because I look, my hair, it does its own thing all the time. And it gets on the <laughs> Sometimes it just, I'm like, I look like an anime character. Like somebody drew me wrong. But see, that's what happens. And you know what I do? I just go with it because I made a promise to myself, no matter what, I'm going to do it. But if you do those things and make education a priority, you will definitely be able to create that foundation because education is the foundation for generational wealth. No, a thousand percent. And I do want to give one shout out. I know we mentioned a lot of good novels and books to read. 
I do want to recommend to all of our viewers, everyone should read The Color of Money, right? If you want to talk about the history of redlining, the, the, the reason why there's segregation in certain cities, that is all about the color of money. It talks about why black banks don't exist anymore. It talks about what happened when we actually pulled our money together and we had Black Wall Street. So The Color of Money, highly recommended because if you want to change your narrative, if you want to change your future, you have to know your history. And I definitely just want to kind of put that plug out there before I turn it over to Seiko. Wow. Yeah, The Color of Money is great. You can also watch the uh, YouTube on The Color of Money. Uh, speaking of melanated money, I also want to salute the great people at commonsenseforyou.org. That's commonsenseforyou.org. They have healthy health and beauty aids. I use their soaps, and you can also see there in the white jars, they have herbal tooth powder. Now, we know that toothpaste cleans your teeth, but it's not healthy for your body. So these are healthy health and beauty aids, and you can get them from commonsenseforyou.org. That's commonsenseforyou.org. Here's some of their soaps. I love these soaps. These soaps are just the bomb. These soaps are the bomb. So commonsenseforyou.org. That's commonsenseforyou.org. Need to highlight myself as well. I provide financial services for real estate investors. Here's one of my clients. I was able to provide him with 90% of the acquisition costs for this house he bought from his family and 100% of the rehab costs. He's in the mix of uh, rehabbing it right now. It's going to be a very profitable situation for him. So make sure you get in contact with Positive Vibes Financial. We can provide you with credit fixes, tax resolution, and we lend private money. And we want everyone to be profitable. So check us out. So look, man, I read your book. What's the next step? Um, The next step is action. It doesn't matter what you read. It matters what you do. So if you read my book and like Sam, I read your book, I'm like, okay, that's nice. You're only going to see change when you put the words into action. Hey, tell me about shopping while black in the Philippines. Now, uh, we definitely want to say for all our historian people, we do know that the first people in the Philippines were Africoid people, Los Negritos, Aitas. The very first people in the uh, Philippines were people of African descent. But when you go there now, you don't necessarily see them unless you know where to go. Shopping while they're there, they're there because, you know, I've been there three times. So I'm going to tell you this. You are going to see people. I have met people in the Philippines and I'm like, there's a black person like somewhere and there, there's an American because, you know, America was there and stationed whatever for a while. My experience shopping in the Philippines is it, nothing like it, you know, so just I'll sum it up real briefly. So I'm going to the store. This little lady followed me and I'm mad. Because I'm like, I'm outside the U.S. so And I'm like, I know I represent all black people when I travel. I represent the entire diaspora. But there's a part of me that wants to rise up and act a fool. So finally, I turn around. And she's basically like, you know, can I help you? And I'm like, mm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Like, leave me alone. And... But then she kind of does something. She takes the little cart from my hand and she's walking around with me in the store. She wasn't treating me like a thief. She was treating me like a real shopper. And I'm like, even now, that experience makes me kind of emotional because just living in this country and always being treated like a thief, when you got sometimes more money in your pocket, than these other people who you assume have all this money and I see them shoplift to be treated like a shopper as an African American it was a very powerful experience for me personally it just meant a lot I say I say to that so you speak Tagalog right I speak some I speak some 
You shouldn't go to another country and at least not know how to say certain things. You you just shouldn't. You know, it, it's kind of if we want people to respect us, we got to learn how to respect other people's culture. And there, I love it. They're like you, a foreigner. So I just learned how to say things politely. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. And that's all they expect. And even that, they go, wow. This one guy, he took a little tour. I just simply told him, thank you, sir. And he's, his eyes light, lighted up. And he was like, wow, you showed me respect. And I'm, I want to say, I wanted to say, yeah, not, not all Americans are, are, you know, impolite and rude. And some of us, many of us who are polite and understand that, but he was so impressed that I took the time to even say that simple phrase to him. It meant everything to him. So respect is important. Well, you know, uh, I think one part of awakening and becoming more conscious of things is traveling. And I, so I know that you've been to the Philippines numerous times. Uh, have you been some other places as well? And I also want to ask the same thing to the good brother, Phil, the uh, Harvard educated Phil is, is, is that what, what we got to go into that story, man. You may have to give a little bit of your pedigree. Um, I don't hear that. <laughs> oh, I don't hang with slackers. I don't hang with slackers. Um, so where else have you traveled and how has that informed your approaches in the workspace and in this book? Well, the only other place I've traveled is Trinidad. And that was a wonderful experience. Being able to see the world through another cultural lens, it helped me because a lot of people don't know this, but one of the things I love about Filipino culture is it reminiscent of the culture of how black people were with our grandmother's generation, that respect for your elders. And so a lot of times they were kind of surprised that I understood things. And I'm like, a lot of the things you all do, that's how I was raised. So even though it's a different culture, I. I understand it completely. So that's why I have such a respect for it because it's reminiscent of how I was raised. Hey, Phil, where have, uh, where have you traveled? And tell us about your time at Harvard. Drop your pedigree, bro. <laughs> so uh, about about the, the Harvard thing, I'll say this. I think to whom much is given, much will be expected and required, right? But a little about my, my background was, uh, honestly, so my, my parents were military. So I was actually born in Okinawa, Japan, and I actually traveled extensively. So I've been to about, I think, 35 different countries so far. And I think when you travel internationally, I think it just expands your mind. So if you're from a small town, we'll say in the middle of Arkansas, that's all you're going to know, right? All your friends stay in the area, you're politically one way, you're economic, you're, you're all kind of one way. But just the ability to travel to a different country allows you to experience different cultures, different traits, different financial industries. And I think that diversity is power because diversity is a strength, but we have to take advantage of that. So I spent of my, I'm, I'm 31. So of my 31 years, I've spent probably 12 years living abroad uh, in Southeast Asia. And I would say, uh, my favorite place I would say is either Montenegro or Mongolia. Um, and I would probably say Mongolia because the people there are so kind and humble that they will take in a stranger. They will feed you. They will clothe you. Um, they will, you know, literally take the clothes off their back and it's that you're all right. And I really appreciated that. I spent about a summer in Mongolia. But yeah, that was my uh, international travels. And I highly recommend as soon as this kind of COVID thing is done, I recommend the travel. It definitely expands the mind. All right. It might be the dog in me, but what are the Mongolian women like, bro? <laughs> I would say, I'll say this. I'll say this. I'll say very family oriented, uh, very family oriented. Uh, it's definitely, I think, a, a matriarch society. Uh, but I spent a summer living outside of Ulaanbaatar, which is the capital. And honestly, family structure, the night was spent around a campfire, drinking, you know, clear vodka, hanging out. Uh, you know, wrestling, great times all around. But uh, just like Sam, I've been to the Philippines as well. Great times, great stories over there, Sam. It's more fun in the Philippines. <laughs> it's more fun and you understand. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, okay. I've only known the uh, the Filipino women in the United States, so I'm sure it must be kind of fun and and yeah, in home. <laughs> international, international is always a great time, gents. I say, I say. So, hey, let's wrap this up about your book, brother. So, how is this book or the writing of this book changed you in the workplace? Because you know, the, the act of creation. You know, we, we cook for some people, but we become better cooks. Mm-hmm. You know, we teach students and we become masters of the, of the craft. And we actually understand what we teach better by teaching. So as a creator, someone who's created a book, a guide, how has it impacted you? My book is my mirror. Mic drop. That's it. I know. Full stop. <laughs> Bag drop. Bag drop. <laughs> okay. Your book is your mirror. That's intriguing. That's intriguing. You know, I was I've been with some people recently who were reading some books and they were seeing themselves or seeing their situation and what they're reading. That's what hooks you. When you read a book, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, if the book doesn't resonate with your soul, you notice you put it down. My book is my mirror. All right. Last question. Who shouldn't read your book? (laughs) (laughs) Who shouldn't read my book? I would say, because a lot of people want to say, my book is for everyone. My book is for those who are ready to take themselves to the next level. If you're not there, then my book isn't for you. But if at some point you do, it's there. You know, I was expecting a more petty response. (laughs) See, this is why dealing with family, because they get on your nerves. They get on your nerves. They, They see you as one way. And they keep forgetting that you're a three-dimensional person. Yes, I can be sarcastic, but I have a professional side, and I'm kind-hearted too. And I just want to say, if you want to see Sam's other sides, check him out on our YouTube channel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lord Jesus. See, his family will make you act a plum fool, but I stand by everything I said and I meant it. He's in one of these, he's in actually about four or five of these videos, and yo, Sam was going off. You were on, actually, I think you were also on some of the political videos that we that had. Was that was one with Jade. That got me a little bit. That 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 hit me, because I was like, how did none of us know about her? It was a panel of like six of us. None of us heard of her. None of us. We will hear about anything on social media from a fight to the red table talk to you know entanglement and I personally like that word I don't care what no one says I like the word entanglement but we hear that and we didn't hear about her that 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 kind of happened well that kind of brings us and we can chat uh, the last few minutes about you know some politics because politics does affect things at work most it, it, it blew my mind that a lot of people didn't know and Phil uh Politically, Phil is very astute. Very astute. We had a recent 2020 POTUS election. And of course, everybody knows about the Democrat ticket, Biden-Harris. Or should I say Harris-Biden. We knew about the Republican ticket, Trump-Pence. Most people didn't know about the Libertarian ticket with... um. Joe Jorgensen and Spike Jones. I just had Spike on this channel recently. He's uh, Spike Cohen. Spike Cohen. Uh, really interesting dude. I really like his viewpoint on things. I'm, I'm really kind of looking at the libertarian um, platform now and saying there's something here. There's something here. You know, I, I actually voted for Joe Jorgensen for president this year. So, uh, well, for 2020. Um, the other thing is there was Jade Simmons. And Jade Simmons was a, you know, a presidential candidate. 
an independent candidate. And most of us, like, you know, Cousin Sam was just saying, we didn't know anything about her. And Sister is on point. Sister is on point. So I'm really hoping that we can expand our minds. You know, as we become better suited for the workplace, I think it's time for us to become better suited for the political atmosphere, the political experience. You know, we just had an inauguration. You know, so while I salute, you know, um, Harris and I congratulate Biden, we got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of work to do. You know, before the election, Biden pretty much said, I ain't doing nothing for y'all. I'll do something for everybody else. I'm specifically going to do a lot for immigrants, non-citizens of the United States of America. But I ain't doing nothing for y'all. But I'll always have your back and you've always had my back. Uh, and Sister Kamala, you know, I hope I said her name right. You know, I don't want to disrespect sis. I love sis. All right, salute to sis. But she said, hey, I'll do for, you know, with the H1B1 process, I'll do for non-citizens to help them come to America. But I ain't doing nothing for y'all. And so well, now we have an administration who said, I ain't doing nothing for y'all. And it may be better than the previous administration, which didn't do nothing for us. <laughs> but now we've gone from somebody who didn't do nothing from us to another administration who ain't going to do nothing for us. And we're happy about it. You know, it, it kind of blows my mind that people were really celebrating. So, you know, I got my 20 pearls. I'm cute. But we were celebrating an incoming administration who is specifically stated the things that we're worried about, reparations for the descendants of the enslaved Africans, stopping overreach by police officers, economic justice, and I can't think of the other thing because it slipped off my tongue right now, but there were four things we've been focused on and our current administration said coming in while they were campaigning, we're going to rock for everybody else, but we're not going to rock for y'all. Uh, so, Seiko, I would, I, would, I would say this. I think... Um, I think <laughs> I'm trying to phrase this correctly. This is this is this is what I'll say. President Jefferson said that a well-informed electorate is a prereq to democracy. And I think if we want to if, if we want to ensure that our leaders truly represent us, then I think as a society we need to look at term limits. I think we need to look at political party system. I think we need to look at ranked choice voting. I think opening up the electorate, opening up different uh, apertures, if you will, of political thought, I think that's going to make our our democracy stronger. So like when everyone, when, when anyone asks me, I say term limits, ranked choice voting, and either getting more parties or destroying two parties, because at the end of the day, two part is very hard for two parties to represent you know, 350 million Americans. So those are kind of my my three things. And, and hopefully one of those things happen in the next, you know, 30 or 40 years. All right. And if you're not familiar with the term rank choice voting, look it up. We do need as a community to become more politically astute and aware of the things um, because, you know, we need to become more aware. So we're going to buy this book and we're going to become better employees. Once we become better employees, we'll be better employers. As we become better employers, we can now work on our political system, which is really funneled and fueled by economics. And then we can change this mess that we find ourselves in. So, hey, you've been watching Get On Code, the Fly Guy Show, Get On Code, the Fly Guy Show, which is a series of melanated conversations focused on improving our collective situation through health, wealth, and knowledge of self. Today, we had the good brother who's one of our platformers, one of the Fly Guys. Yeah! Because yeah. of Sam, Samuel Varner, author of the book, Developing the Workforce of You. You, 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 you. And uh, today we had the good brother Phil. How are you doing, Phil? Always, always a pleasure to be here, Sego. All right, and as you can tell, Phil is our politico. So you're going to hear more of Phil because he understands politics. I understand empowerment. He understands politics. 
he understands finances. We're like the perfect trip, you know, the, the, the trifecta, you know, the trinity of empowerment is here. So, hey, you've been watching Get On Code. So we want you to stay fly. We want you to stay on code and let's do some great things. Let's change our country. Let's change the direction of our world. Let's change this world for our children. Peace. So, so. This show was brought to you by Positive Vibes Incorporated, our consulting services. We do credit fixes. We do tax resolution. We lend private money and debt consolidation. So, if you need some of these services, we're waiting here for you. Credit fixes, tax resolutions, private money, and debt consolidation. Make sure you call Positive Vibes Incorporated. Take care. Stay floss, 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 stay The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. Stay floss, stay floss, stay floss, stay floss, stay floss. Stay conscious. Stay fly.